Welcome to MASH Forever. My name is Carrie, and I am the host of this relatively new podcast about the best show ever in the history of television. And I just wanted to honor my favorite show of over 40 years, and I am a huge talker. <laughs> and I thought, why not? You know, why not do this? Why not try it? I've never done a podcast before. I used to host live webinars for an educational software company and I at least have a sense of how to do this. So I thought, well, let's dive in. I also have a corresponding Instagram account called mash.forever where I post anything and everything that I come across on mash. And the latest post I did uh, this week was one of my hiking pictures when I went to the outdoor location located just outside of LA. I used to be able to go there every other month for the last couple of years. And my favorite time of day is getting there at like 6.30, quarter or 7 in the morning and just hiking in and just having the park essentially to myself. And uh, more on that, um, I've, I've done other podcasts on on the park and will probably continue, continue to do so in the future. So today, what I wanted to start off with is trivia <clears throat> about the show. And there are differing opinions online, and I thought I would throw in my opinion about season six and specifically the order of the episodes. Um, so right now I have two books in front of me. One is called MASH, the exclusive inside story of TV's most popular show that was copyrighted in 1980, published in 1980 and 1983, an updated version. And that's the one I have sitting in front of me is the updated version. And then I also have TV's MASH, the ultimate guidebook. So the ultimate guidebook was published in 2009 and it has a, 826 pages of all MASH stuff. Now that is an awesome book. If you ever need some really good reading on a weekend, excellent book. Uh, the book, the other book that I have on my lap, uh, again, came out in 80 and 83. 80, and when it came out in 80, it only went up to season eight. And so the updated version has seasons nine, 10, and 11, and the finale, the movie. Uh, so definitely worth it to buy both books. So what I wanted to talk about in terms of trivia is a lot of people, uh, there's a lot of discussion about season six and the order of events in season six. And I thought, well, I'm going back to my, my book, MASH, the exclusive inside story. This, again, was published in 80 and 83. And the sixth season we have, you know, fade in, you know, fade out, fade in with David Ogden Styers joining the cast. But if we go through the episode list, you'll see patent 4077, not patient 4077. And then you have the smell of music, comrades in arms, part one and part two, the merchant of Korea, what's up, doc? So that's significant because then if we look in the ultimate guidebook on my lap, on my other lap, and I go to season six, uh, and we look at broadcast and production order. So if you look at production order in this book, uh, you've got the same the same list of episodes. So it goes patent 4077. They say patient, and I've seen that also. Patient, patent, patient, patent. I think it's patent. Because um, it makes sense. Patent, they, they could have patented the clamp they made. 
So that's why I thought it was was patent. Um, plus, it was patent in 1980 from from the other book I was just looking at. Then, so you've got patent or patient 4077, the smell of music, comrades in arms, arms part one and part two. And then you've got the merchant of Korea and what's up, doc. But then, if you look at the broadcast order of the episodes, you've got all sorts of different ways that they put the list together here. Not different ways, but put them in ran it almost seems very random because you've got let's see here the mash olympics the grim reaper comrades and arms part one comrades and arms part two the merchant of korea the smell of music patent or patient 4077 uh so they just mixed it all up so if you watch the episodes purely in broadcast order you will see comrades and arms first if you look at what they were doing in production order, you will see um, patent 4077 and then Comrades in Arms. And then What's Up Doc? Where was What's Up Doc? So What's Up Doc in broadcast order is a few way farther away from Comrades in Arms because then there's a theory in the fan fiction world that Hawkeye could have been the parent of the baby that Margaret thought she might have had because the timing kind of coincided there. So, of course, that would depend on whether you believe anything happened between between Hawkeye and Margaret and Comrades in Arms, which is a whole different podcast <laughs> for a future time. <laughs> so anyway, so that there you have it. That is why some of the storylines in season six are a little little funky. Um, there's a difference between how they when they were produced and how they were broadcast. And I don't know why that would I don't know. And back when I was watching it in syndication, I had my little, you know, this blue book, MASH, the exclusive inside story of TV's most popular show, had it in my hand watching the episodes. And so I would have noticed had in syndication back then, had they not been in, had they been in broadcast order versus production order. So I would love to hear why they do that, because that is a big, big thing that people are like, well, comrades in arms, you know, talks about a clamp that hasn't been invented yet, but but it had because if you look at it in production order, it had been made. So I don't know. I don't know. I am not privy to how they make decisions on what episodes to run when and how to call something broadcast order. Like, how do they determine that? Obviously not anyone watching the consistency of the episodes. <laughs> so... Anyway, anyway, in, and and I remember listening to Jeff Maxwell and Ryan Patrick one day, and they were talking about how so many discrepancies were found in the series up through the years, and no one in their wildest dreams would have thought we'd be binge watching shows over and over and over again and again and again, because back when we were growing up, when MASH was on the air, unless you were recording it with a cassette player tape recorder you weren't going to be binge watching anything there there was no way to record images with your well unless you had a movie camera <laughs> a movie camera but that you know so so the technology has changed so that you can truly just sit and binge watch 
seven days a week. And back then, I mean, the, the TV stations went off at midnight. So you, got, you weren't going to sit and watch TV. I remember when the TV stations would like sign off for the night. That that does not happen in today's world. And if you were lucky back where I lived growing up, um, while MASH was still on the air, we had three main channels plus two or three more, depending on the weather, how the antenna on top of the house was able to pick up TV stations or not. Or, and it depended on which house I was in, because when we went to my grandparents' house, which was 10 miles down the road, she had one or two stations that we didn't have and vice versa. So I feel like I'm talking about the dark ages, <laughs> but seriously, that's how it, that's how it was. And there was no internet and there wasn't any way to double check on things. And okay, so I am way off topic now. So that is the trivia of, of this podca- podcast. Moving on, I like to do current events. And so two current events that are coming up is December 9th at the National Museum of American History. They will be exhibiting the MASH signpost in its Entertainment Nation exhibit. Very exciting. I am still tempted to just book a ticket and get there. And then another part of me is like, Carrie, you've got to look at your budget. And I'm probably not going to do it. But if you get there, I would love, love, love to see pictures. And I would love to hear if they're doing any kind of MASH memorabilia um, sales there. Like, are they selling any any souvenirs from the show? Because I did hear at one point, speaking of memorabilia, which is what this podcast is going to be about, is they had pieces of stage nine that they were of the set that they were selling and I didn't know if they were valid or not and I think they are but I'm still not 100% convinced but I could be convinced I could be convinced it was on eBay one time and it was like a piece of the mash set and I'm like and it's this I don't know rectangle yeah no square that was like an inch by inch or two two by two so I wasn't sure about that so anyway, so that's just starting December 9th uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, so the next thing is Loretta Swit and Jamie Farr should be appearing next weekend. I'm recording this on Sunday, October 30th, and they are scheduled to appear in Rhode Island uh, next weekend, November 4th through the 6th at the Rhode Island Convention Center uh, for the Rhode Island Comic Con. And if you go, Loretta Swit's birthday is November 4th. So please sing her happy birthday. Uh, we got to do that. My friend and I got to do that back in July for Jamie's birthday because we got to meet Loretta Swit, Jamie Farr, and Jeff Maxwell. And we got to do that back in July. And that was, that was so neat. Oh, my God. He is just, the, they were all so, so nice. And just, just, oh, it was really, it was really neat to be able to do that. So if you are going, do that for me. Okay. And oh, another hint too, is we bought the professional pictures and I I would rather have spent my money on standing in front of them, giving them my camera, let's do a selfie together, pay them whatever amount they wanted. Um, also bring money, cash and, uh, know where the local ATM machine is because I, I ended up spending spending quite a bit of money and it was all worth it. It was all very, very worth it and just, just wonderful to meet all of them. 
So the next thing we're going to go into is memorabilia, which is what this podcast episode is about. So I was really young when I got into the show. I was probably nine or ten. And my very first memorabilia item was the was the Margaret Houlihan doll. Not the action figure that's like, you know, three inches tall or whatever, but the, the doll that's probably, and I don't have one sitting in front of me because I'm got some of my stuff here on the West Coast and some of my stuff on the East Coast. So it was like eight inches tall, I think. And it was the very first item I owned. I know exactly where I found it. It was in Southern Maine. We were on vacation that year my immediate family and I saw it and I had to have it. So we were in Wells, Maine at a department store and had to have it. So I got it, carried that thing everywhere for who knows how long, uh, probably a year or two, because I was in either fourth or fifth grade. Um, so that was really neat. And now I own two of those, two of those dolls at this point. I also want to own the Hawkeye one because there's a Hawkeye one that's that's the same size, similar, similar, similar thing. So at some point, I would like to buy it. And I also usually only buy 20th Century Fox branded items. I don't buy a lot of stuff that isn't branded or trademarked by 20th Century Fox because I really want to stay with the more authentic items from the show. But there's so much stuff out there that it's always tempting. It is. Uh, I am looking at buying from Etsy.com. Someone is 3D printing Radar Trapper and Henry. And I would love, 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 love to get my hands on those. I would absolutely love to get my hands on those. So I'm going to maybe, maybe, maybe go for it. <laughs> Because <laughs> I wrote the person and I said, I don't think they had those at the time. And they said, no, 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 I, I made them. I'm like, oh, yeah. So then the next thing I got was this MASH book that I just talked about, the the MASH, the exclusive inside story of TV's most popular show. I uh, got that in 1980 out of the library. And oh, my God, they it was not in great condition when I returned it. And then I had my friend's my mom's friend ordered me a copy of the book from the library because I don't think we had a bookstore in our town that we lived in. And I don't know if it was a hard to get book, but I had her, we had her order it and I carried that thing everywhere. I just had it all, all like articles. I would put stuff in. And then when I met Loretta Swit in July, I got her designed on it. So that was that was really cool. And then in July, also, I had a couple of other people that were involved behind the scenes um, sign it, <clears throat> which which was a neat thing. Uh, so then I bought in sixth grade, I got the MASH poster. So there's two versions of that poster. I now now own two both versions, but there's there's two different versions of that poster. I got that in sixth grade. So that was hanging on my wall for a long, long time. And this MASH book definitely is my Bible. Um, I really, really like it for in, information. And it was it was one of the first MASH books that I had, had encountered. Um, probably the only one I had encountered until the complete book of MASH came out and the last days of MASH. So the next items that I purchased 
uh, were the, no, I actually didn't purchase it. The board game came to me, Christmas of sixth grade. So the four actors that were in that game were Jamie Farr, Loretta Sweat, Alan Alda, and Mike Farrell. And played to that game, carried it everywhere. And then The Last Days of Mashbook came out. And that was very, very uh, fun to pick up. I believe I bought that in Albany, New York, because we were still living in upstate New York. Uh, I grew up in upstate New York, and then we moved to Maine when I was 15. So MASH ended before the move to Maine. So I remember being in Albany, New York, when I found The Last Days of MASH book, and it was co-written, produced, published by... Alan Alda and his wife Arlene Alda and throughout it Arlene took the pictures and did some handwritten notes and then Alan did the commentary at the bottom of the pages so you got an interesting perspective from Arlene because she came at it from more of a a fan perspective and you know Alan obviously you know was was a big player in MASH so you got kind of the star person plus his wife, who was more, more like more of a fan of the show. So awesome pictures. She, she took some really nice, really nice pictures. And it's nice to have the memento of the last few days of the show. And then the MASH calendar in 1985. Bought that. I bought the green one. And I can picture I was in Southern Maine when I bought that uh, calendar at a, at a bookstore, I believe in Kennebunkport, Maine. And it's green, and I wrote in that thing all year long, and I have since seen a white one, which I want to get my hands on. I've seen that on eBay. So I don't know if anyone has either of those or both of those, but I definitely want to get my hands on the white one. Um, Then, of course, the TV guides. I would always buy the TV guides throughout the early 80s and the mid 80s when MASH was featured. So I've got a lot more MASH memorabilia that I will talk about. Oh, the trading cards. I forgot about the trading cards. Okay, I don't have this all written out. The trading cards, those were 25 cents. I found those, I believe, in the summer between fifth grade and sixth grade. So that would have been in 1981 and picked up several sets of those, and I believe my original sets got flooded. So I was in my house that I had just purchased in 2017 in Florida, got hit by a hurricane and flooded. So some of my MASH memorabilia got destroyed at that time. So the MASH cards, I believe... Had gotten destroyed. I have since replaced them and I have several, several sets that I haven't even opened yet. And then on the back of the trading card, there is, I believe, a picture of the cast. But I don't have enough cards to put it together. <laughs> so I'm thinking about opening up the last of my trading card packs. Um, but I won't eat the gum because the gum is, I don't even want to know how many years old the gum is at this point. So let us move on to the big wish list items. The if money were no object, um, these are the things I would buy. Well, I would need the space for some of them, but I do see myself getting at least two of these things. 
Um, the other two, I'm not sure about. But I want to get the MASH train set. And I would like to get that where it's still kind of shrink-wrapped in, in whatever box it came in. Like, it hasn't been opened, it hasn't been touched. I would like the MASH train set. Uh, and I also saw that they were selling life-size wax figures. And I thought, ooh. So if I ever see them for sale again, it, it, it's a maybe. And I saw that they went for somewhere between five and $8,000. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> you have the mash cast sitting there in your living room. <laughs> Anyway, I, I'm, I, and they're, 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 I mean, wax figures are never exactly accurate. And these, these, I'm not sure about, but wouldn't that be cool if you like had them all sitting there? <laughs> so anyway, I would need a bigger space if I were to get those. Um, but, it, but it's kind of on the wish list. Um, and then the other thing, as I heard recently, that Alan Alda still has the boots he wore during filming, and he tried to auction them off, but couldn't get the right price for, for them. So I found that the boots, when they were being auctioned off, had a starting bid of $5,000 and a fair market value of $25,000. And according to the article I read, there was a reserve price. So I would bet it's closer to that $25,000 that you would have had to have come up with to to get the boots in your hands. Um, I would really, I think that would be amazing for any MASH fan. Well, for this MASH fan, I think that would be super cool to, to have the boots that he wore during filming. Uh, just, just as a memento. So that's all for today. That's that's the diving in very slowly into the MASH memorabilia topic. Um, and I collect a lot of stuff. In fact, I have a book coming this week. And it's TV Guide's look at 50 years of television history. And MASH apparently is in the book somewhere. And I want to thank the MASH historian if, if he ever listens to this podcast I'm getting it because I saw he did a review of the book on his website and on Instagram. So I was like, well, I got to get that. And I found it on Amazon for like $4.95. So I thought I'll buy it. I was buying something else on Amazon. So I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just buy the book now. It's coming this week. So if the MASH historian, uh, owner of that Instagram account and website ever, ever listens to this. Thank you so much for that, that uh, suggestion. Well, you didn't say go buy it, but, but you might as well have said, go, go find it. Um, so I appreciate that. And I was going to say, that's the last memorabilia item I purchased. Oh, and then when, when we went to Malibu Creek State Park, my friend Becky and I bought a bunch of hats and we we got back to her place that night and realized that between the two of us we have eight mash baseball hats and two hiking hats so between the two of us we have 10 hats with mash logos on them and i you know that seems excessive but you know it's kind of like it's it's mash stuff so that's an example of mash stuff that i'll buy that isn't trademarked uh 20th century fox so I am going to end here and I hope you all have an awesome day. Stay tuned. I will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode.